Well, children, children's church is a little bit different right now because right now we're using the binders for your activities. So if you haven't went and got your binder yet, you can go grab it. And if you already grabbed your binder like my boys did, start playing with it, start doing all the pages. And who knows, if you do enough pages, you can come show me the pages. Maybe we'll find something fun for you. You should have prizes, hey? That's motivating. So enjoy those, you guys. For the rest of you, there are no binders. Uh, you get to open up your Bible. So hopefully you brought that this morning, or it's on your phone. We're going to Colossians. And if you need a Bible, if you don't have one, come let me know, and I'll gladly help you get a Bible. Um, right now, I'm doing most of my devotions and preaching out of my ESV, but if you have the NLT, if you have the NIV, those are all really fun for reading. The CSB, for some people, and that's okay. Uh, watch for Chad preaching out of that sometimes. The Holman Bible, what else are we looking for? King James, if you like language that's far before my time, you can jump into that one. Or the NASB, if you like a technical read. But all of those are just different. Different scholars have chosen different words to try to match Hebrew and Greek. Remember, we are reading a book that was not written in our native tongue. But this is the ESV that I'm using. I was talking to the elders this month about what we could teach our church family. What would be helpful? What would be practical? What would inspire us and equip us? And I shared with them that I wanted to teach Colossians. Now this morning, this is going to be a little shorter because the service is going to end here in about 10 or 15 minutes. So we're just going to dip our toes into it. But sometimes to know whether you should go swimming or not, you have to dip your toes in the pool and that's okay. Colossians is an inspiring letter. Colossians is written to a church that is growing, a church that seems healthy, that has faith and love for one another. And Paul is in jail. He's the pastor who can't go visit. He didn't even start this church. It was started by someone else. But he's writing to them to inspire them. And I hope that as you read through it, you are inspired as well. Do you see what you've seen this morning up here at the front of the room? Have you seen the different elements of this service? See what we do with the young kids and with membership testimonies and communion? It's about pointing the way. And as I read through Colossians, that's what stands out the most. Walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. But to know how to walk in that, we need to know the way. And so often I feel like us as shepherds, as pastors, that's what we do. Is we just continue to help to point the family in the right direction. Right? We go back to the scriptures, we go back to the gospel, and we just reorient the compass. We make sure the needle's pointing north, and we get everyone back on the same path. Now, what we expect of grade ones, when the little guys come up here and get their Bibles, we're not expecting their faith to look like yours and mine. It's a little different when you're in grade one. But do you know what we're doing by handing them Bibles and praying for them? We're pointing them in the right direction. And when people want to become members, it's not because they're perfect. It's because they see a family and a God they want to commit to and be a part of. And what we try to do is, again, point them in the right direction. Even communion. Taking these elements doesn't save us. It doesn't transform us. But it's this reminder that you and I need constantly to get us pointed in the right direction again. And as we read Colossians my mind comes back to this. 
This is slowly becoming one of my favorite pieces of paper I keep hung up in my office. This is our membership covenant. This is our promise to each other as members of our church family. This document is not sacred and holy. If I folded it up into an airplane and tossed it out into the room, the Lord would forgive me. This is not scripture. This is just a list of ways that we want to be active disciples. But do you know why this is important? Because sometimes we need to be pointed in the right direction all over again. Sometimes our focus can be on the wrong things. And what this says is that I'm pledging myself to Jesus and I'm pledging myself to his church. And these are the ways that I want to show that. Paul begins this letter to the Colossian church in a very similar way. I want to read some of it with you this morning. Then we're going to discuss more of it next week. So if you're in Colossians, and if you're in chapter 1, I'm hoping to just, in a couple minutes, give you a blueprint so you can go home this week and read it and see where the story is moving. So let's read the first 14 verses. We'll talk for a minute or two about what it means. That was pretty. And we'll go from there. I appreciate you guys. Let's read this together. So this is Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. This is how he starts his letter. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our Beloved fellow servant, he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Do you hear that? To walk in in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And this is how he follows it. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Thank you, God, for how you inspire it. To explain it as quickly and beautifully simply as I can, Colossians is a letter written about just a few basic things. A young church with a deep faith in Jesus and love for one another. 
experiencing pressure from the outside world to add things to the gospel that are not necessary. And this pressure is mounting. There's Jewish pressure to add Jewish traditions and customs to their gospel, but there's also influence by the Greek and Roman culture to add outside worship, idol worship, the things that they use in their culture and add it into the gospel. And this church is facing that battle all the time. And here is the missionary Paul sitting in jail, in chains, writing to them, saying, focus on Jesus. When the Jews are going to push you to celebrate the Sabbath and eat certain dietary ways and celebrate the Passover and think that salvation is tied up into it, focus on Jesus. He is the way. Walk in it. And when the Greeks are going to try to influence you with philosophy and when this Roman God worship is going to try to influence your daily lives and they're going to try to convince you salvation hinges on these extra things. Don't believe it. Jesus Jesus, him alone, completely, he is our salvation. He is the way. Walk in it. And it's going to influence every aspect of your life. When you go home and you spend time with your families, you are going to look different than this world. When you're tempted to focus on sin and then you're drawn back by the Holy Spirit to righteousness, that is the work of God. For we follow a new master who dwells on a new throne, a new king not the old one, and not the old ways. So church, this is the way. Walk in it. That might be Colossians summed up in just a few sentences. I think this is so fitting for our family. Why? Because I want to be inspired to know the way and walk in it well. And here you have this experienced pastor and this young up-and-coming pastor sitting together, writing to this church they've never been to, saying, here's the way. And I imagine Paul and I imagine Timothy sitting together and putting this together. Maybe imagine Pastor Bob sitting here with me and he says, Darren, we're going to write a letter. Okay, to this church we've never been to, but oh boy, they're doing well. Let's encourage them. So we sit down and go, what would you say to a church that's doing well? but they're facing pressure. What would you say? Focus on the main thing. Don't get distracted from the main thing. Jesus, he's a supreme above all things. He is God incarnate. Focus on the main thing. Verses 10 and 11 and 12, I feel like are the verses to leave with you this morning as you go home. And as you read Colossians for yourself and get ready for next week. Because as I'm asking this question, I feel like Paul is laying it out for us. How do you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? And just like as Dominic and Laura come to me and say, we want to be part of this family, Darren. What does it mean? What does it mean to be part of this family? And I hold this up and I go, really? You're already Christians. You believe in the gospel. This is the way that we walk. If you want to be part of the family, we walk in it. This keeps us on track. I read these lines from Paul, and I imagine him trying to cry out to this young church, here's the way to walk. So if you're an underliner in your Bible, you might want to underline some of that in 10 and 11 and 12. Bear fruit in every good work. So I imagine glorifying God in everything that you do. Increasing in the knowledge of God. 
So that's the pursuit of understanding him. You see on the wall behind, 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not just that you're supposed to be living out this gospel day by day, but you should be pursuing deeper understanding of the God, the Savior in this gospel day by day. Faith without deeds isn't faith at all, is it? There should be a life lived out, and there should be knowledge coming in. Verse 11 says that he prays they would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for endurance and patience. I don't think those are the same things. When I read that, I see endurance as being what they're going through immediately. The Roman Empire is trying to crush everything about Christianity. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid to give this to you, but like, do you realize that right outside those doors is a world that doesn't want us to live out the faith we believe in? These aren't the good old days anymore. I didn't even live through the good old days. This world doesn't want Christian people because we get in the way of their morality. See, we used to be the salt of the earth. They used to love Christian people, but everyone lived like Christian people, whether they were Christian or not. But now, the way that our world chooses to live, the morals they want to live by, they actually conflict with ours. So we're in conflict now with the world. Little kids coming up in the church are only going to know a world that's hostile to them, that thinks what they believe isn't just silly, but it's hurtful and cruel and excludes people and is filled with hate. Paul prays that they would have endurance and patience. Patience, when I'm reading that, that to me feels like the long suffering they go through. He wants them to be able to survive today's attacks and conflict, but also to be able to survive 30 and 40 and 50 years. Be patient in your faith and be patient with joy. Don't become one of those Christians that survives but loses all their joy along the way. And verse 12 says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. To remain thankful. All of these things and the interplay between them. Living out your faith through good deeds. Growing in your understanding of God. Surviving the attacks and the opposition that you will face day by day. And remaining thankful but not because the pastor told you to, and not because your Sunday school teacher told you to, why should all of these things be worth dying for? Why is there a huge cross up on the stage that Jesus says we're supposed to pick up and carry with us in our day-to-day life? Why is this worth the surrender of your life? Verse 13 and 14. I love that Paul follows up these commands for us to walk in and then lays the motivation right in front of us so we don't miss it. Why? Because you've been transferred from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his son. You've been brought into light. You have been redeemed and you have been, what does it say there at the end of 14? You have been forgiven. Do you see how it's almost centering back down to the core? You should be thankful. Why? Because the king reached down and pulled you out of the kingdom of death and brought you into his kingdom. Amen. That's worth celebrating. And on top of that, do you know how much he paid for you? 
You were expensive. You cost him everything. His one and only son. But he redeemed you even though he knew the price. And you know why he had to give up his one and only son? Because you and I were covered in sins, enemies of God, and we have received forgiveness, the core of the gospel. So friends, as we as a church family try to live this faith out through love and good deeds, grow in our understanding of God, endure and be patient in this world that we're living in, and remain thankful, how do we do that? I think by remembering the cost of Jesus on the cross and our forgiveness. Don't lose that. Don't lose that. Hold on to that dearly. And I think you're going to see how in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 of Colossians, you're going to keep coming back to that. Jesus is the hope of the gospel. Jesus is the object worth pointing our lives at. Jesus is the reason why we believe the things that we do about a church family. This is all about following and pursuing Jesus, for he is the way, and we desire to walk in him. That's what I want to do together with you as a family, and I hope that you want to do that too. So read Colossians and get ready. We're going to have a lot of fun going through it. I'm going to call the worship team up. They're going to lead us in the doxology, and then we're going to be dismissed for this morning and shortly after have our church meeting to vote on our pastor. God bless you. Go in peace. And praise the name of the Lord Jesus this week. How about it? Eh? Amen. You're dismissed. Mm-hmm.